Good morning. Uh, today is Tuesday, February 2nd, uh, and it's commissioner in the car, but I'm not in the car because I'm working from home today and it's pretty cold outside, so I'm not going to the car. And I'm trying out a different setup. Uh, and uh, um, here, it, uh, here we are. Uh, and uh, hopefully this works out a little bit better and people can hear me better than last week uh, when I tried doing it off my home computer. Um, but I'm working on... Uh, Upgrading some equipment there, so this is only temporary as well. Uh, so today is Tuesday, February 2nd, and um, while it's also the first day in February, uh, we uh, did what we call our NVRA purge uh, this week at the Board of Elections. Uh, we did it actually over the weekend, and um, I, I thought it would be a good uh, opportunity to talk about it on uh, Commissioner Nakar today. Um, because um, what I try to do with these podcasts is kind of go behind the scenes, under the hood, so to speak, about Board of Elections processes. Because I think a lot of times um, people either A, don't know about them, which is usually the case, or B, they think we do things that other states do. Um, and, um, and this is one of those things where uh, we actually... Uh, uh, you know, do a purge of voters, but it's not the same as we've seen in other states. So this is a good um, place to kind of talk about what the NVRA purge is done uh, and how we purge voters in New York. Uh, so uh, the NVRA, by the way, stands for the National Voter Registration Act, uh, otherwise known as Motor Voter. Uh, that was uh, passed in 1993. And uh, we use that act as a guideline for uh, for a lot of things, including this uh, purge. Now, it's also, uh, um, you know, each state comes up with their own way of doing purged voters. Just the NVRA allows for it um, uh, for voters that are inactive or, or uh, have fall, you know, have been, can fall off the rolls in a certain way. So the first thing uh, I need to uh, remind people is that if you voted last year, if you voted in uh, 2020, you are in no danger of being purged in 2021. Um, any voter, the 235,000 people who voted, uh, are, are, uh, they are will be active for 2021. But all, beyond that, any active voter, um, and, and what do I mean by active voter? Uh, these are voters that, um, you know, the 310,000 or so active voters that we have in Onondaga County, these voters um, are voters that, uh, you know, have registered to vote. And each year we send out uh, a mail check card to the voters. And if we didn't get that back or we didn't get something through the national change of address or an obituary or something along those lines, they stay active whether they vote or not. Uh, so somebody who is an active registered voter continues to update their address um, or doesn't move, but we don't get anything back in the mail, they never get moved to the inactive status. Um, and then we, uh, so that's the 310,000 figure. Anytime you've seen my wonky Wednesdays or, um, you know, or, you know, talking about registration data, we're usually talking about active registrants. Uh, those are the active, actively registered people that um, you know that that make up the electorate of who can go to vote. We then have 
another pool of what's called inactive voters. Inactive voters, which uh, as of Friday, and it'll change, but and it has changed, but as of Friday, it was about 20,000 voters. These are voters um, that, for some reason, we have moved to the inactive pool. And uh, the most common reason is that we got a piece of mail back from them saying they don't live at the address that they're registered at. Uh, either through the national change of address uh, process that will happen later um, in uh, February or March or uh, through the mail check process, which will happen in April this year. Uh, these processes uh, send back mail to us and we routinely check those to move those voters to the inactive status. Uh, again, um, you have to have an address that uh, you know, a piece of mail that comes back undeliverable. If the mail comes back forwarded or to a new address, well, inside Onondaga County, we will re-register you to that new address um, that's, uh, and, and then send out a letter to that address letting you know. Um, if we move a voter to inactive status, we also send out a letter to the old address. Uh, I know that sounds like um, a lot of waste, but the reason we send out that letter is to make sure that the first piece of mail that came back uh, was not faulty, and then the voter is notified um, that they're they're uh, um, that they that that they are no longer uh, registered, and they can call us or uh, fill out a piece of paperwork and send it back to us, and letting us know that they are um, they are actually registered. So we do that uh, as a double check. Um, by the way, this is the same with obituaries. Uh, we scan obituaries. County Health Department um, figures uh, to make sure that uh, uh, that uh, you know that that a voter who has passed away is no longer actively registered to vote. They go into the inactive status, um, and then we send a notice to the person. <laughs> I know it seems like um, you know again sending a notice to a dead person, but you know there are people with common names and common. By the way, you'd be surprised with so many people in Onondaga County. We even have people with the same names. Same middle initial and same birthday, and that and that is a uh, you know usually the only information that we can get off an obituary or uh, you know uh, or the county health records. So not having a DMV or social security number to verify it, it is actually the same person. Uh, we do send out these notices, so we never put a voter in a position where uh, they haven't been notified that they've been moved to an active status. So. Once a voter reaches inactive status, then they sit there for two federal elections. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, Jude, Jude Seaver has asked, uh, how often do we hear from dead people? Have I talked to a doctor about this? Uh, we have heard from a few dead people in the past. <laughs> it's a, uh, so, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is quite disturbing. They do call us and say, no, I'm not dead. And usually it's like somebody like a John Smith or something like that, where there's a common name. It hasn't happened often when then we make them active again. Um, I don't personally hear from them. That's the obituary department in the Board of Elections. Uh, so uh, shout out to Tanya, who did that last year, and Lauren, who's doing it this year. They're the ones who hear from dead people. They're the ones who... Uh, help uh, do the purge, so or do the purge, putting them in active status. So the purge is a whole nother hearing from dead people. Uh, uh, but uh, so 
Um, but so once a voter gets put into inactive status, uh, then they sit there for two federal elections, waiting for uh, a few things to happen, either the voter to re-register uh, or uh, to, to, uh, or to vote. Uh, and they vote by affidavit ballot, which will is a registration instrument. Um, if that happens for those two federal elections, again, the even years, for layman speak, um, then uh, we will then um, make them an active voter. We had oh, about 900 or so, maybe more uh, affidavit ballots that were for people that were inactive this last uh, cycle that made themselves active voters, uh, and that came after the election. That's why we jumped from 308,000 to 310,000 uh, pretty quickly after the election. Uh, a lot of that was uh, in, inactive voters who made themselves uh, active during the presidential election by doing an affidavit ballot. Um, so, uh, you know, that is... Uh, uh, that is how people come off the inactive status, and they're still allowed to vote. And then now in New York, uh, based on a ruling uh, or an agreement from uh, New York State Board of Elections and League of Women Voters, inactive voters now appear in the poll book. They used to not appear in the poll books at all, but now they appear in the poll book as inactive status. And um, we can, uh, especially with our electronic poll books, we can easily service those voters and let, let them get... Uh, an affidavit ballot um, that uh, that reactivates them and allows their vote to count on election day. So it's a it's a good thing uh, that we can do that, especially with the electronic poll books, uh, because it is uh, an easy way to find out why um, they can't vote on the machine, and our inspectors can give them the proper instruments that they need to do to make themselves active. Usually. It's because they moved and they haven't updated their driver's license or they don't have a driver's license and they haven't updated their voter registration with us. So uh, that's the usual reason why somebody gets put inactive. Um, but, you know, there are other reasons. So if but if a voter stays inactive for two federal cycles, then uh, that voter will uh, um, will go ahead and uh, uh be purged through the NVRA status and put into the purged voter registration, uh, of which we have hundreds of thousands of purged voters uh, over the years. Uh, and uh, they, they get put in the purged registration, uh, which means that they cannot vote on election day unless um, uh, yeah, well, Jude, uh, you know, the, if we are uh, putting something in in an active it's a good question. If we're putting something in an active status um, and not purged, and and I'll be honest, I think some of those uh, those uh, obituaries do go straight to the purge and not to the inactive. If we can verify that, um, then uh, yeah, we did have to mail them an absentee ballot application during the last year's presidential primary, and we did get a few people who sent it back saying this person is uh, no longer with us, and we've done our investigation in that. So, um, but yeah, so if they haven't voted since uh, February uh, or, or since uh, 20, before 2020 or 2018, so if they haven't voted since 2017 and they're in an active status this year, they moved off the voter rolls. That means they missed 
all of the elections in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Six different elections with primaries in there. Uh, so they had opportunities to go to vote, fill out an affidavit ballot, and uh, revive their per- their their um, their voter registration and uh, make themselves active. So they did not do that. And then they are put into the purge status. Uh, and uh, th- this year is a big year for that um, because uh, a lot of times uh, after the presidential year, but even after the midterm year, we have thousands upon people uh, of people that are uh, purged off the inactive rolls. And uh, our inactive rolls on Friday went from 20,479 down to 9,208 in Onondaga County. So 11,000 people were purged. Um, and uh, they are no longer uh, able to cast a vote on Election Day, either by affidavit or by uh, um, or by uh, on, on the machine. The only way they would be able to get is a court order um, saying that we purged them wrong or if they obviously registered a vote between now and then. So um, if you want to check, this is a good note, to, if you want to check your voter registration status, you can do so at onvote.net. Um, if, uh, and and it, you can uh, put in your information and see if you're an active or inactive voter. And uh, it's right at the top of our page. Uh, that's And you can do that statewide, whether you're in Onondaga County or anywhere in New York State. So uh, if you're worried that you were part of this purging process because you didn't vote last year, um, and you're not sure when you voted last, then you might want to check that and see if uh, uh, if, if you are a part of that. And then you can call our office and we can help you get registered to vote. Uh, so, you know, and, and for example, though, our registration numbers for the active voters did not go down. We started the day on Friday at 310,693. Uh, we ended uh, the, the purge process with active voters of 310,715. That's because work was done um, to register voters uh, in between the time that we uh, pulled those stats, which I believe was uh, Friday morning, and uh, um, and work was done throughout the day, which uh, registered a few voters. Um, so that's why it went up, uh, as opposed to not going down, which is you know proof that the NVRA process doesn't deal with active voters. So we're still at almost 311,000 voters in Onondaga County. And um, and continuing to grow. And, uh, on Friday, uh, we will release our February numbers um, on Facebook and Twitter. So you know, check that out. Uh, then on uh, Friday, February or on Sunday, February fourteenth is yes, it's Valentine's Day, but it's also Fall in Love with Your Party Day. If you wanted to change your registration to be able to vote in a primary or walk petitions, um, then. Uh, or run for office, uh, then you have to do so by Sunday, February 14th. A wrinkle on that, uh, and I'll be talking about more about this in next week's Commissioner in a Car, uh, but, uh, uh, but I always remind that we have to have received your registration form by that Sunday. So uh, that really means that uh, if, uh, you know, that really means on Friday, uh, the 12th is the last day to have mailed in and have it received your registration form um, and uh, uh, and have a party change done for you. So uh, that is um, 
what needs to be done on uh, for registration forms. If you want to change your uh, a party, uh, say you were part of the parties that are no longer uh, active parties in New York or uh, you are uh, not enrolled that wants to enroll to be able to vote in the primary or in, in, enrolled in a party that you no longer want to be enrolled in. Uh, this, this is the time to do that. If you don't do it now, then uh, you can do it after, you can do it anytime, but your registration change will be held until after, seven days after the June primary, uh, and then it will be processed. You'll, you'll go into what's called the lockbox. If you may remember those of you, the lockbox used to be much longer. Uh, used to, you used to have to do it by October of the previous year, uh, and then it would uh, be put into the lockbox until uh, the primary, which used to be in September. Uh, so uh, it was quite a long time that your registration uh, changes were held. Um, but now, not, and then a lot of times, we just didn't do those uh, registration changes until after the general election. So it took a, a long time for that to be effective, uh, especially if the county boards got busy uh, when the primary was in September. Um, but uh, as the, you know, the most important thing in that was getting people properly registered. Uh, but uh, so the, the party change rule, although the form was processed, the party change rule didn't happen until after the general. So that's why people would say it would take up to a year to change your party. And now it's instantaneous as long as you do it before February 14th, and also instantaneous after the June primary, seven days after the June primary. Um, and finally, uh, on February 21st, we will be doing our big polls. Uh, the, you know, we do that uh, three times a year uh, to update our stats files on the website, but also uh, the February 21st polls are registration data in every election district, which will help uh, populate the... Um, petition numbers for the general election. That will be done um, on February 21st. So look out for later in the, that week for that data to be updated on our website. Um, and you may remember that there is a bill that was passed and signed by the governor on Friday, which greatly reduced the designating petitions for uh, this year. Uh, it also changed the time period for the designating petitions, which start on uh, March 2nd instead of February 23rd and uh, run until March 25th or well the collection days are March 22nd through the 25th you can still get petitions on those days but they have to be in the office no later than March 25th um, and that uh, runs uh, uh, until uh, you know and, and so that uh, time period has been truncated but also uh, the petitions have been reduced uh, from point uh, from 5% of the registered voters inside a political district uh, in, in that party to 1.5%. And there are caps, maximum caps that are in there as well, which reduces the number of, uh, of voters uh, in, like if you're running Syracuse citywide or so, which I believe it reduces it down to 250. Uh, but I'll double check that. And when we publish those numbers, I'll let you know. Um, and uh, because those caps are are either whatever the 1.5% uh, or whatever the maximum caps are. And those will uh, go up uh, shortly after February 21st. Um, so you'll we'll know if you're running for office how many petitions you have to get. 
but more than likely it's significantly less, especially if you're running for like a county ledge uh, seat, it's going to be anywhere from 90 to 130 or something like that, as opposed to 400 to 500 signatures. And the thought was that although they lessen the time period, they lessen the amount as well. And hopefully that will mean less people going door to door. Uh, there still is not a contactless way of uh, getting on the ballot in New York. Uh, we have... Um, we have made suggestions, by we, I mean the New York State Elections Commissioner Association has made suggestions of two other options that uh, should be thought about during this uh, pandemic, and that's a filing fee option and a uh, county party authorization as 90% of all of our um, offices are not subject to a primary. There will not be a primary inside the party, which means the designating process that happens um, you know, puts just that candidate forward and that candidate's going to go out and uh, and get ballots. This would be especially helpful for the working families and the conservative parties. Um, so, uh, you know, is so we've made this suggestion as a, a way to get on the ballot for those, for the designating petitions. It's happening still in the middle of the pandemic. Um, and uh, that is uh not been acted on as of yet <laughs> so they still got about a month before we start uh uh walking petitions so the legislature still has that if you're interested in that contact your state representative and tell them that you want that passed um and uh and then opportunity to ballot petitions uh that starts on march 2nd but the uh the signature requirements for those have not been reduced so they're going to still be the same at that larger uh ballot amount um again i'll go over that more um in late february uh before the petitioning starts uh because i'm waiting for law changes to come in to see if that changes but i'm just touching on the status of that right now and independent nominating petitions these are petitions that are not um that are not nominated uh um or they're not part of a party uh, they're not part of the working families, Republican, Democrat, or conservative parties. Um, and that may include some of the parties that fell off the ballot or just other people. Uh, that starts in April, and those petition numbers have not yet been touched as well. So uh, that is where the petitions stand. Again, each week I'll give you an update, but I, I plan on doing a petition primer right before uh, the end of February as we get into the petition season. Uh, here on uh, uh, Commissioner in a Car. I don't really see any other uh, questions in the chat. Uh, a few people have reached out to me um, asking about New York 22 and uh, the the latest developments that are going on there. I've been following that. Again, Onondaga County is not a part of the court procedures and neither am I. So my opinions are just me as Commissioner, uh, as Dustin Zarni. It's not even a uh, opinion of my caucus or anything like that. So when I give opinions on New York 22, it's only to um, put things into context as the commissioners that are a part of the that eight county uh, um, congressional district uh, are kind of limited on what they say because of the court proceedings. So I try to give as much context and uh, um, you know, and uh, and background uh, so people can know what's going on when, when the media reaches out to me. Um, recently, yesterday, uh, Anthony Brindisi has asked for 
a manual recount of all the ballots. Uh, and uh, that is probably the, the next to last step before this is at least finalized for uh, before going through the uh, appellate division. And the judge is yet to rule on whether that happens. Um, important context here. New York does not have a recount law for the 2020 elections. They passed a law during the, during the budget season this last time that said that we do have to do a manual recount or a hand recount of any race that is within 0.5% of, uh, um, uh, of the totals after uh, canvassing the ballots for the first time. Uh, by the way, New York 22 is finally finishing their first canvas. All of the rulings that were done, all of the, uh, the, the objections held through the court process, uh, that is being done over the next two days. And so what Brindisi is asking is to not certify the election, but to proceed to a hand recount of all the ballots because the, the race is within 0.8% or, or sorry, 0.08% uh, difference. There's about 122 ballots difference. So the Brindisi Tenney race is, is exactly what that law that was passed in 2020 uh, was meant for a race this close that after the initial canvas, the, the counties would automatically proceed to a hand recount of all the ballots in the race um, and, and, and see if uh, there was any machine errors or any human errors during the absentee ballot process. Um, and as you know, New York 22 has been bereft with several different errors. I'm not sure any of those are related to the ballot counting. And what Brindisi is saying is he doesn't know that it's not, and the judge doesn't know it's not, and because it's so close, um, and there have been these other um, errors out there, we should proceed to the hand recount. Um, by the way, the reason we're not automatically going to that is because when the legislature wrote the law, they wrote the law effective in January of 2021, which meant that the elections in 2020 were not uh, subject to this man, uh, automatic recount. Although the automatic recount is in Ulster County and in New York City and has been for years, uh, but now it's statewide. So that's why the judge needs to order a hand recount or not order a hand recount. So there's nothing improper with uh, with Anthony Brindisi um, asking for this. In fact, I believe if Claudia Tenney were down at the end of the canvas, she would have asked for this as well. That is... Um, that is why we have the hand re the automatic recount law to make sure that campaigns don't have to go in front of a judge and ask for it and have it be up to the judge whether this happens or not. So it's going to be up to uh, Judge Dale Conti to decide whether there's enough irregularities out there to warrant a hand recount. Um, and, you know, the context of this is, is that if this race was happening in 2021, we would automatically be going to it. That is a, a law, by the way, that I... Uh, um, championed uh, that I uh, felt was necessary and right. It's something that I have always felt as commissioner that uh, um, if a race was that close, we should have a hand recount. Florida has this. Other states have this um, automatic uh, hand recount. In case New York City has had it too. And it's not so much as to flip a race. It's so much. It's to give a surety to the to the campaigns that everything was counted. And I believe in transparency. And that's why I, I support these hand recounts. Um, 
it's up to the judge to decide whether to do that in New York 22. And I got to be honest, I don't know uh, how he will rule and because I can see both sides of the argument about whether they should proceed on this. Unlike with the voter registrations in Oneida, where I had a very strong opinion uh, that they should process all the registrations and then re-canvass the inactive voters, um, I, that was a matter of fairness to the voters. Um, and so that's why I had a strong opinion and made it known. Uh, whether they should proceed to the recount, even though I supported the hand recount law, there is a a uh, a matter of like you operate an election under the rules that the election uh, was supposed to operate under before uh, before the the ballots were cast. So um, I believe ultimately that a whether uh, it is ordered or not, a, you know, it's going to be up to the judge. And I can see both sides of it. I can also see the sides of it that we, with the with it's such a hyper close race, we should get a sure uh, outcome. And if that means waiting a couple more weeks, so be it. Um, so I can see both sides of that. Um, notice I don't put in there the extra work that the boards of elections have to do. That's our lot in life. Uh, I never really say, well, we shouldn't have to do it um, because it's more work on us. Um, of course, I'm not part of New York 22, so it's not my work that's going to be done. And maybe if I was part of it, I would feel differently. Um, I don't think I would. Um, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it, it's it's terrible what the county boards of elections have had to go through in the sense of because of the circumstances of the close election. Um, I believe that they've acted for the most part um, heroically. And, uh, and if they're asked to do this, they'll do that, too. Uh, the commissioners in, in, in those eight counties, I know, um, you know, uh, pretty well. And I, I believe that they'll they'll. They'll do the right thing uh, if ordered by the court um, and, and, and do it properly. But it is no small feat to have to hand count hundreds of thousands of ballots. So um, it, it is going to be an interesting ruling when the judge rules on it. Um, but uh, unfortunately, um, the boards will have to pick it up. And that's why I'm always an advocate for state funding for boards of elections and for proper recognition of the heroes that boards of elections are, uh, because we do a ton of extra work, and uh, um, and we have to, um, because that's that's our job, that's the mission that we serve. No board of elections employee uh, gets compensated in the way that they should, uh, and uh, uh, many of times, even commissioners, especially commissioners, work hundreds of hours unpaid. Uh, in overtime and uh, extra time to get the job done because it's it's that important. I've I've heard one part-time commissioner told me that this year she calculated the number of hours since she was supposedly part-time, but what she had to do to put in the amount of time that needed to be because she was a small board uh, and a part-time commissioner, and she got paid about five dollars an hour last year. <laughs> so um, that is a uh, uh, important. Um, <laughs> and yes, Barbara Broughton, so do deputies. Well, it depends on the, it depends on the uh, county. Some deputies get overtime, some deputies do not. Uh, but the deputies are the backbones, and my deputies, Julie and Candace, are the, the people who make everything work in our offices. So yes, big shout out to the deputies as well. Uh, but uh, 
but you know, and again, some counties try not to pay overtime as well. So that, you know, that because they say, well, this is our budget and you can't go over your budget, but we have to, to, to get the job done. So a shout out to those counties, a shout out to all the counties. Uh, and, um, I don't know what's going to happen in New York 22 with that ruling. Um, I'm waiting to see just like you are. So, um, well, that's all I got for uh, Commissioner Nakar today. Uh, I have uh, yesterday, I was supposed to be posted on Sunday, but I ended up posting yesterday. Uh, I had a Zoom with Zarni with Janice uh, Grease Hyper, or Jan Janice Great Grease Hyper Gretis, uh, who I've known for a while, but she's the founder of Voices of Women. So check out that, uh, that Zoom with Zarni. Uh, tomorrow on Wonky Wednesday, I will be releasing an uh, article on the Thomas Cicero, um, or as I like to call it, the last bastion of the big suburban GOP towns. <laughs> uh, and uh, maybe not the last bastion, but they're the only, it, it, it's one of the few towns that Democrats are not advancing in, uh, as opposed to all the other towns in Onondaga County over the last four years. And uh, finally, um, uh, on Thursday, I'll be releasing a Zoom and Zarni with the election centers, Tom Wilkie, uh, uh, and, uh, um, oh man, I forgot her name, <laughs> but the, but the co-founders, uh, and directors of, of the election center, uh, they are, um, that is the national, uh, uh, association for elections commissioners. Uh, and I'm talking to them about, uh, what their role is and how their belief is for elections. I uh, haven't decided who my Sunday guest is for Zoom with Zarni yet, um, but I'm hoping to get that finalized in the next day or so. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's what's coming up and check it out. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, and uh, and uh, I hope to see you around and uh, we'll see uh, if we get some answers in New York 22 over the next week or so. <laughs> All right. Bye bye.